Willie Willie to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. He must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And I want to thank, uh, well, that's that's about it. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. I was multitasking when I said that. I'm sorry. Um, but you couldn't see me because I was just uh, on the radio. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot has happened uh, in the last 24 hours. And I'm sure you're all aware uh, that there was a uh, a drone strike against uh, our uh, military base in Jordan. And so we uh, lost three soldiers. Um, but, you know, there's a lot more to this story that uh, I want to get into today because, um, you know, this just, just didn't happen overnight or this isn't it's just one of uh, another chapters in the failure of the Biden administration. But we're going to talk a lot about this UN um, RWA, UNRWA, they call it, and it's it's where the Biden administration is basically financing both sides of every war that he's in, and it's killing America financially. Number one, opening the borders. I mean, he's got wars against what? Ukraine and Russia. He's got wars against Israel and Iran. He's got wars against uh, the Houthis. He's got another war against Texas. And all for what? To uh, usurp power from the political opponents, his political opponents? You know, he's basically picking up where Obama left off with these foreign policy blunders that make no sense. One of the biggest factors that nobody's really talking about enough is liquid natural gas and oil. But liquid natural gas, for example, he just signed a bill that said we're not going to export liquid natural gas. Our ally countries, G7 nations, are basically begging him, don't do that. 
Who do you think the number one seller of liquid natural gas is in the world today? It's Russia. At the same time, he doesn't want to secure the, the southern border unless Ukraine gets money. You got this European Union leader who's basically saying, we're going to cripple Hungary if they don't sign off on fresh new aid to Ukraine, which is a money laundering scheme where people are buying yachts left and right. People are making millions, if not billions. And Lindsey Graham is in on every one of these deals. Lindsey Graham's pounding his chest. We got to go into Iran and hit them harder. Cornyn, his buddy from Texas, Senator Cornyn. We got to attack Tehran. You know, forget about the fact that Iran is a, has nuclear weapons. Forget about the fact that Obama gave Iran about $150 billion in $99.99 billion, uh, uh, million dollar, uh, transfers, electronic transfers, and skids of cash in the middle of the night on unmarked planes. Reminds me of uh, how we're shipping these illegal uh, ballot harvesters uh, around. Yeah, well, no, not ballot harvesters, ballots. You know, all these people that are coming through the border, we're just going to call them ballots for now on. Because <laughs> that's really what they are to a Democrat. They're either a slave that makes the corporate interests happy, cheap labor. They're either um, a coyote trafficking drugs, fentanyl that's killing your kids in the name of depopulation or to make the cartel lobbyists happy. The politicians are getting paid one way or the other. Yeah, don't think for one second that the cartels don't have lobbying groups and that they're highly organized and sophisticated. You know, what are they doing with their billions of dollars that they're getting through the Biden administration's open door policy? What do you think that means to them? They're getting the money. And with the money, they come, they get organized. And they're more powerful when they're organized. And they need to work with the politicians. And so they're paying the politicians off. And so it's fentanyl. It's sex trafficking. It's slave labor trafficking. So we'll just roll that up into human trafficking. And then corporate slave labor, but in addition to that, ballots. They're getting, it's like I've used this metaphor before, the, the French cook who uses the carcass, the bones, the whatever, to make soup, to, to, to make gravy, to make every little thing off the stock. You know, the French are the best at it. They're the culinary arts, right? That's what it's all about. Using every little piece of the food not to, to let anything go to waste. And that's why the Democrats are super good at it. Well, they got the help of the Republicans, though, too, the Uniparty. They don't call it the Uniparty for nothing, right? I mean, that's what's going on, right? They don't have any pushback. You think Mitch McConnell's able to push anything? The guy could barely stand up. Joe Biden doesn't know what time it is. And, you know, it just goes on and on. And the Republicans can talk common sense all day long. But 
if they don't have the support of a large group, they're just one individual speaking in the wind. Kind of like somehow, you know, the way I feel from time to time. I just don't have enough power to make the change that I feel needs to happen. And it's frustrating to be complaining all the time. I mean, even someone as powerful as Donald Trump can speak up, but unless he gets power, and of course they don't want him to have power. And Nikki Haley's trashing him left and right. What a loser. You know, the only people that are supporting Lindsay, uh, uh, Nikki Haley are, you know, Democrats. And it turns out that, you know, most of these uh, Republicans, like Mitt Romney said, I'm not going to vote if Trump's uh, the president uh, nominee. I'm voting for Biden. So they're more Democrat than they are anything else. They're only a Republican when they can actually start wars and profit from the wars, like Mitt Romney and Kofor Black did in Afghanistan in the early millennium. And like he did in Ukraine, when Kofor Black, his CIA buddy and campaign advisor in 2012, and a mercenary uh, expert, you know, trashed Ukraine and sat on the board of Burisma. So President Trump responds on the drone attack that killed three American troops and wounded dozens of others, saying it's another horrific and tragic consequence of the Biden's weakness and surrender. The drone attack on a U.S. military installation, said his truth, in Jordan, killing three American service members and wounding many more, marks a horrible day for America. My most profound sympathies go to the families of the brave service members we have lost. I ask all Americans to join me in praying for those who have been wounded. This brazen attack on the United States is yet another horrific and tragic consequence of Joe Biden's weakness and surrender. End quote. You know, um, Tucker Carlson said something kind of interesting, you know, in response to Lindsey Graham. What did Lindsey Graham say? Hit Iran now, he tweets. Lindsey Graham says, hit Iran now. Hit them hard. Senator John Cornyn says, target Tehran. Let's start World War III. You know, we didn't have to get here, folks. In, in uh, like, what was it, Joe Biden's first month? He took the youthies off the terrorist list. <clears throat> they were no longer designated terrorists. They were supported by Iran. Then he releases $6.5 billion in something uh, just last summer. And in response to that, they're also spending $350 million dollars I think it was six and a half billion, right? But three three hundred and fifty, three hundred and forty seven million dollars is what he's paying to the UN. The UN uh UNRWA, we'll call it, right? UNRWA. It's relief and um uh it's it's a relief fund for the Palestinians. So, you know, I was watching some news this morning and they said this 
UNRWA responds to suspension of funding. It's, it is shocking to see, uh, this was according to Commissioner General Philippe Lazzarini on Sunday. This is the U- UNRWA commissioner. So naturally, they're like on the side of UNRWA. It is shocking to see a suspension of funds to the agency of reaction in reaction to allegations against a small group of staff especially given the immediate action that UNRWA took by terminating their contracts and asking for a transparent uh, independent investigation. And that was in response because they found out that many people, officers uh, at UNRWA, were responsible for the invasion of uh, Israel on October 7th. The amount given to UNRWA, UNRWA, Look it up. Each year by country. So the United States, of course, leads the way at $343.9 million, Germany, $202 million, Japan, $30 million, Switzerland, $25 million, Canada, $25 million, the Netherlands, $21 million. These are all like globalist organizations, you know. And I say organizations kind of like piffy uh, because these are supposed to be countries. Um Italy, $18 million. Denmark, $15.9 million. Australia, 13.8. Finland, 7.8. And Austria, 1.3. So, you know, they're giving a lot of money to UNRWA. There's an there's a, a image here that says, here's what, in 2017, Donald Trump gave them $360 million. All right? But then he stopped. After he got tough on the Palestinians... And Hamas, in 2018, he dropped that number to 65 million. In 2019, guess what he gave him? Zero. In 2020, guess what Donald Trump gave UNRWA? Zero. Okay? Little asterisks beside it. I don't know what that means exactly. But with Joe Biden, as soon as he took power, seized power through the election fraud that they committed, the three hundred eighteen point four million in twenty twenty one, three hundred sixty four million in twenty twenty two, and in three three hundred seventy one million, it just keeps going up in twenty twenty three. All of that aid going to a terrorist organization at the UN called UNRWA. The UN should be defunded. The United Nations in New York should be defunded and every entity of the United Nations should be defunded. They'll shut down overnight. That's just as simple as that. And that's exactly the first step I would do if I was president. And I believe Trump will do it. So quite the conundrum for Joe Biden. War with Russia, war with Iran, war with China, war with Texas. He's in a war everywhere you turn on the planet. He can't get out of wars. You know why? Because he's worthless and he's weak and he's downright stupid. And everybody knows they can play him and they can buy him. It's kind of crazy. All right. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and play this uh, clip here this is by tucker okay so um we're gonna go ahead and switch over to audio and let you uh hear what he had to say 
Here's fellow neocon Lindsey Graham just spelling it out and calling for the bombing of Iran. So I've been on the phone all day to the Mideast, and I've told our allies and people with connections to Iran what I would do. I would tell Iran that if Hezbollah attacks Israel, we're going to come after you, the Iranians, and have a coordinated effort between the United States and Israel to put Iran out of the oil business by destroying their refineries. There are four major refineries in Iran. They're fixed targets. Uh, if Hezbollah attacks Israel, I would make Iran pay a heavy price. Now think about that. Shut down all the natural gas in the world. Great for the climate change enthusiasts, right? Those people that are actually throwing cans of soup on the Mona Lisa over the weekend in France at the Louvre? Yeah, that happened too. Little do they know that climate is a scam. It's a hoax. They're just stupid people that are doing stupid things, blocking traffic and throwing paint on Mona Lisa. I mean, give me a break. Do they know how out of touch they are with reality? That CO2 is actually the gas of life? It's better to have CO2 than to not? They're just dumb. But in addition to this, and there's no proof that CO2 causes temperature. It's temperature that causes CO2. It's the other way around. So they want to put out all the liquid natural gas out of uh, Iran so that what? The price of gas and the heat your home would be, how much do you think it would cost then? You think there would be inflation as a result of that? It's just the dumbest thing. The, an- the correct answer is don't get there in the first place. Don't give Iran all this money so that they could actually cause and start these wars because they could afford it. The, the uh, Abraham Agreement was working. Everything that Trump was doing in the Middle East was a path toward peace. I mean, you could take this Dialogue all the way back to Sykes and Pico and the collapse of the Ottoman Empire to figure out, you know, that mixing oil and water in the Middle East, Houthis and, and Sunnis and Shia and everything in between was not really a good idea. They were mapping out the Middle East in the wake of the Ottoman Empire collapse based on resources and minerals and oils and, 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 and precious minerals. They weren't really taking into consideration that certain people can't live together, that they're culturally not harmonious. There are relationships that are just as toxic, and, and they never work out. Yet, they don't pay any mind. They're doing the same mistake that Sykes and Pico did in the wake of the Ottoman Empire. They're doing it on our southern border, allowing all these criminals and rapists and drug pushers into our country so that they could share the, the student, stu, the, the school room with your children. So they could beat your children up because they're, they're nothing but wild, feral humans. Animals. Let's continue to listen to what Tucker had to say about this. What exactly would happen to the United States if we declared war on Iran and started blowing up their infrastructure? Lindsey Graham has no clue what would happen. He hasn't thought it through. He's almost 70 years old and he has no children. 
he doesn't care. But neither, amazingly, do most of his colleagues in Washington. They're as reckless as he is. Texas Congressman Dan Crenshaw took to social media to call for what he described as a war to end all wars, as if there is such a thing. But of course, there isn't such a thing. Wars beget more war. The bigger the conflict, the uglier and longer lasting the consequences. See World War I for details. And that was the Ottoman Empire, World War I, <laughs> like I was just saying. Um, <clears throat> let's take a listen to this. This is UNRWA Gaza Telegram Group, where UNRWA employees exchange cheerful posts glorifying the October 7 massacre. Check this out. In this Telegram group chat of 3,000 members, teachers praised and glorified Hamas's October 7th massacre. To make matters worse, they're UNRWA employees funded by the UN. The same UNRWA whose media advisor claimed that he didn't know who was in the Telegram group. But thanks to a brilliant tweet thread by Hillel Neuer, we do. Meet Wasim Ullah, also known as the man who runs this group chat on Telegram for 3,000 teachers. He goes by handsome in the chat. Normally, he posts info about teacher salaries, but on October 7th, he was glorifying Hamas's massacre, even inciting the group members to join in on the violence. Then we have Safa Al-Najjar, another admin of the chat. Usually, she shares administration information about UNRWA in the group, but on October 7th, Safa posted videos of Hamas's atrocities and referred to Hamas terrorists as holy warriors. Here we have another admin of the group, Abdullah Mejez. His LinkedIn shows that he is currently an English language teacher for UNRWA, but before that, he was a journalist for the BBC. After October 7th, Abdullah encouraged Gazan civilians to ignore the IDF's warnings to move south to safety. Instead, he told them to stay put, knowing full well he was asking them to stay in a war zone. Then we have Marid Abdulaziz Isa another UNRWA teacher in Gaza. After October 7th, he posted what we did exceeded expectations. What they do after doesn't matter. Crazy, right? But this has been going on for quite a while. Let's go back to 2021. This is Weem Maji Kaloub, an UNRWA social studies teacher. In 2021, after the Laud program, when Arab rioters unalived three Jews, injured 600, and burned synagogues and Jewish homes, Weem posted this video of a severely injured Israeli and captioned it, Allah is great. Praise be to all. Keep in mind, in spite of the evidence that proves <laughs> otherwise, the UN is still denying the notion that the members in this group are UNRWA employees. Coincidentally, between posts about glorifying Hamas's atrocities on October 7th, these teachers are also posting about work. Taken from the group chat itself, here are some photos of UNRWA teaching materials, messages about UNRWA work schedules, school dates, and vacation days, a post to an online learning center that requires an UNRWA official account to log in, a discussion on how to pass UNRWA's social media and neutrality course, internal UNRWA staff memos signed by Gaza's director, Thomas White, a list of hundreds of UNRWA staff in which UNRWA's HR department is requesting bank details to pay their salaries, and a list of thousands of UNRWA teachers, complete with staff names, ID numbers, and start dates of UNRWA employment. There is no room for interpretation. These teachers who glorified Hamas's atrocities on October 7th are in fact UNRWA employees, and the media who are ignoring countless pieces of incriminating evidence by Hillel and UN Watch need to be held accountable. I think she spelled it out pretty clearly that UNRWA is a terrorist organization. The United Nations is a terrorist organization. So, yeah, right here. Okay, so it says here in their, their tw Twitter account, 
Agency for Palestinian Refugees. Give me a break. Right? It's crazy. New York Times. Damning details emerge on the 12 UNRWA employees who participated in the October 7 massacre. So the New York Times actually covered this. Let's take a listen to this speaker speaking at the Orwellian-named UN Human Rights Council as guest of UN Watch at 2019. Okay, so let's take a listen to this. In the 20th century, as empires collapsed and new states and borders were established, tens of millions of people fled or were expelled in the course of war. Muslims and Hindus, Greeks and Turks, Poles, Ukrainians, Germans and Jews moved on to build new lives, some aided by the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees. None of them, nor their hundreds of millions of descendants, claim to be refugees today, except the Palestinians. Why? Because the Palestinians, supported by the Arab world, violently rejected the two-state solution already in 1948 and were determined, despite losing, to continue the war to prevent the Jewish people from having a state. Having failed to do so by wars, terrorism, and economic boycotts, Palestinians have hijacked UNRWA, which was to be a temporary agency for resettlement to create and sustain a fiction that they are still all somehow refugees, generation after generation, and all possess a right which does not exist in international law to settle in a sovereign country in which they never lived and of which they were never citizens, so as to ensure that Israel no longer exists as a state for the Jewish people. UNRWA has been fueling the conflict for decades. Without UNRWA, this belligerent idea of return of millions could not have persisted for so long. If the conflict is ever to end with peace, UNRWA should no longer exist. It should no longer exist. Why in the world are we funding UNRWA? So there's this UNRHA cut off their funding and look how fast the anti-Israel UN agencies Hamas supporters get fired. UNRWA staffers used the agency's vehicles and facilities during the October 7th Hamas attack. All right. So UNRWA is Hamas. Defund the UN and especially the UNRWA that finances Hamas Palestinian terrorists. All right. Let's let's take a listen to this. UNRWA is the biggest obstacle to peace in the Middle East. UNRWA has created a fiefdom where it creates its own rules. So take a listen to Dr. Einat Wilf, 2016 interview. You're a former member of Knesset, and one of the issues that you took on is the issue of UNRWA and the perpetuation of the refugee issue with the Palestinians. Can you tell us a little about what is the issue there? One of the things I find most amazing is that the biggest obstacle to peace is the least known. And I believe that UNRWA, which is the head of the United Nations Relief and Works Agency, is... So, again, United Nations Relief and Work Works Agency. The biggest obstacle to peace in the Middle East, certainly between Israelis and Palestinians. UNRWA is essentially a UN agency that is a thinly masked Palestinian political organization that perpetuates the idea that Israel and Zionism can be rolled back decades and that the Palestinians who left during Israel's war of independence and their 
uh, descendants in perpetuity can one day return and reclaim that land and turn the clock back. The Palestinians have UNRWA, but every other refugee situation in the world, whether it be in Syria or Africa or Asia, is under the auspices of the UNHCR. What's the difference between the two UN bodies? You're absolutely correct. Uh, in the late 40s and 50s, when the United Nations was established and looked to take care of issues of refugees, they established a High Commissioner for Refugees that, you're right, takes care of all refugee situations in the world. UNRWA was established separately, initially not for any bad intention. People just thought it would be very temporary, that within several months, the Arab refugees from the war would be resettled in Arab countries and other countries and would be over, like it is in many other situations. But the Arab countries wanted to keep this issue alive. They wanted to send the message that the war is not over. Even though they lost in the war, even though Israel gained independence, as far as they're concerned, as long as the war is not over, in their mind, they don't have to admit, uh, to admit and acknowledge defeat. And they demanded that the UN create a separate agency that would also include the letters UN only for the Arab refugees from the War of Independence. And lo and behold, nearly 70 years later, it still exists perpetuating the notion that the war is not over. What doesn't make sense to me is a refugee, by definition, is only for one generation. You can't have a second generation refugee because you've been living somewhere, you give, put down roots. How is it that under UNRWA, they have the third, fourth generation refugees? You're right. This is, again, part of the paradoxes of UNRWA. UNRWA has created a fiefdom where it creates its own rules. It allows people to be called refugees into the second, third, fourth, by now even fifth generation. These are people who have been born in their place, have never been displaced an inch, and yet they continue to maintain the notion that they are refugees from Palestine. And in their mind, Palestine is not limited to the West Bank and Gaza. After all, two million of them live in the West Bank and Gaza. It is Palestine that in their mind will one day supersede Israel. And the UN cooperates with this, and the donor countries, even worse, the United States, Canada, Europe, Australia, uh, support this organization. And even if they don't like it, this organization keeps alive the conflict by maintaining generation after generation that the war is not over. He brought up the donor nations. One thing that's phenomenal is that the budget for UNRWA is actually greater than the budget for UNHCR, which is all the refugee issues around the world. How does the UN get away with that? That is, again, truly remarkable. Uh, UNRWA is a unique UN agency in the sense that it is not funded by the UN budget. It is yearly budgeted by donor nations, Western countries mostly, that give it over a billion, a billion and a half dollars per refugee. Uh, UN, UNRWA has four times, five times as much as UNHCR. Uh, and again, that's one of the paradoxes where UNRWA is a rule unto itself. Uh, the refugees are not treated like other refugees. Even the word refugee doesn't mean anything. These are people who did not escape any place, have not been displaced. Many of them are middle class, have education, have jobs, are integrated into the local economy. But they're only refugees in the mythical, symbolic sense that they expect one day to reclaim all of Palestine and to supersede Israel. Hey, now, there are literally tens of millions of people watching the show. What message do you have for our viewing audience? 
My message would be that if you happen to be a citizen of one of the donor countries of UNRWA, US, Canada, any European country, Australia, <coughs> please contact your uh, elected officials and ask them, why are you supporting an organization that runs contrary to everything you believe in and creates the biggest obstacle to peace that there is? Wow. Um, you know, and to Donald Trump's credit, he was like the only president to cease funding of UNRWA. <laughs> Think about that. You know that phrase that saying Trump was right about everything is true. It's more than I could say about uh, this talk about um, Robert Kennedy Jr. being bandied about. Uh, they, some reports said that some aides from the Trump camp were considering him as a VP pick. I think Vivek would be my, you know, number one choice if I was betting. But uh, it certainly shouldn't be Christy Noem, in my opinion. But uh, another person I think would be high on my list would be uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the governor of Arkansas. And then um, Elise Stefanik, I'm 50-50 with her. Um, she's really stepped up in the last year for Trump. But in addition to that, um, Tucker Carlson, I think, is a consideration. But, you know, I think that might be a wild card because it's just kind of... Uh, I understand how they would be considering something like a Robert Kennedy Jr., but he's wrong, very much wrong. Well, he's been wrong on a lot of things, number one. And he's, you know, had the flip-flop. But to his credit, he's admitted... Oh, I was wrong on thinking, wrong thinking on that. But to the point I was making just a bit, of, a bit ago, Trump, Trump has been right about everything like for as long as I can remember. When he was on Oprah in 1987 or 88, I mean, he was right then about China and, and uh, imports and exports and things like that, trade. He was right about a lot of things for a long time. And, and so, you know, but Robert Kennedy Jr. has been wrong about a lot of things a lot of the time. To his credit, he admits it. But, for example, he's very much wrong about uh, climate. And he's, he's kind of like uh, out to lunch on that issue. Would it, get him, would it get Trump some Democrats? Yeah, maybe. I think uh, uh, Joe Manchin... He's doing the same thing he did at West Virginia as a senator, and same thing as Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski. They um, wait to the last minute to make their vote really count, and then they get paid off to cast the deciding vote in a very t you know uh, tightly contested topic in the Senate. Well, Joe Manchin's playing the same game now with consideration of running as like an independent, and I would imagine a Republican might pay him handsomely to do that and steal votes from Biden. That would be a, a real spoiler for the Biden uh, chance. Uh, callers, call, call you're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Uh, yeah, good morning, Scott. This is Mel from Saratoga. Oh, right. Mel, yeah. Hey, how are you? Yes, I'm not so bad. Um, and Mel, uh, I'm going to ask you to just speak into your microphone so we, we we can barely make out what you're saying. 
Oh yeah, okay, yeah. No, at least the Fennec. She's she. Her district is adjacent to mine, to where I live and where I vote. Um, you know, I, Dr. Robert Malone. You know, the Malone district. He has uh, a list of all of the um, graduates of the WEF World Economic Forum, and uh, there's a couple. Who is it? Um, oh, not Josh Holly, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, well, anyway. She happens to be listed on on that list also. I think it is a class of 2022, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm just curious, you know, why would somebody who's uh, thinking about America first, but then you got Javier Malay, uh, he, I guess, was he's associated with the WEF too, but he seems to be doing everything that seems to be right in regards to, in, in the right direction, you know, as far as uh, uh, patriotism for his people and what, Argentina. I believe he's at, but anyway, I, I'm just kind of skeptical as to how anybody who's associated with the WEF uh, can can be taken seriously. I mean, at least she does fight. She's got she's a very good orator, and you know she knows how to how to make how to uh, express her words and, and get to the point the way she did with what's the name from that institute over there in Boston. Uh, but anyway. Uh, who was there, Crystal, or gay, yeah, gay, bro, yeah, yeah, gay, anyway, yeah, I'm an American Latin, black, you know, that's all of 66 years of age, a registered Republican conservative, but anyway, uh, you know, I, I'm just, you know, I, I would like to put my trust in people who, you know, say the right things and do the right things, but when they have a background who's connected to a certain suspic- suspicious organization like the WEF, I mean, where do you go? You know, I don't know. I mean, I'm asking, where do you go? No, 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 I, I, I agree. That's why That's why I said I'm 50-50 on Elise Stefanik. Um, but uh, from what I understand, she's under consideration. She's, she's on a list. But, on um, a list. Yeah. Yeah, sure. uh-huh. right. but, yeah, but thank well, anyway, you. Hey, I go ahead. Well, that was just the question that I had. I was just curious. Yeah, I appreciate it. No, I appreciate your uh, comments on that. Um, you would know better than most people because you, you're from, you know, where near where her district is. But thank you for calling in today. Yes, sir. All right, Scott, you take care. All right, take care. All right. So that's Mel from Saratoga. And um, you got to love our callers calling in with such passion. Um so we are going to uh, move on. I wanted to play this clip from May 23rd, 2021. Don't tell me we didn't know what was going on back then. The Trump team, this is uh, John Ratcliffe, you know, saying the policies that are in place against, uh, you know, the help Iran are going to come back to bite us. And, of course, now we've lost three um, soldiers in Jordan and it didn't have to happen this way. But it's our policies leading up to this. You know, and um, Jake Jake Sullivan was the foreign advisor for Obama. And he's now the foreign advisor for Biden. It's the same crap over and over. The only time we've had peace was when Donald Trump was president. That's a fact. Just a fact. So let's take a listen to what John Ratcliffe said, May 23rd, 2021. It's not like we didn't know. This was three, almost three years ago. 
said, we warned them specifically, look, if you reverse these policies and embolden Iran, you're going to jeopardize this hard-earned Middle East peace. Um, and, and to your question about whether the ceasefire will hold, Maria, um, it, you know, that remains to be seen. But the path that the Biden administration has chosen with respect to Iran means that there's going to be chaos and war in other places in the Middle East besides Gaza, Syria, uh, Yemen, Afghanistan, Iraq. If you give um, Iran more money to fund terrorism like they've done in the past with the hundred billion dollars that the Obama Biden administration gave them in the first failed JCPOA agreement, um, they're only going to do that again. And they have. The Pentagon says Iran-backed groups have attacked U.S. troops at least 160 times since October 17th. 160 times, Cheryl. It, and we've been basically doing nothing in response. You know, you brought up this, this Wall Street Journal editorial in the last hour, Maria. Something else that they wrote here, everyone knows the real orchestrator of these, of these attacks Iran. And then yeah. they say the president puts anxieties about upsetting Iran. Oh, no, don't upset Iran. Uh, and risk ex- escalation above the duty to defend U.S. soldiers. Can we talk about the fact that most of these injuries that happened at Tower 22, and this is the base in Jordan, uh, where we have about, I think, 350 personnel right now, a lot of those injuries, most of them, TBIs, traumatic, uh, traumatic brain injuries, Maria. That is chosen appeasement over confrontation. And now we have to see whether or not they're willing to reverse that course and confront the sponsor behind all of these attacks in Iran. And my concern is that they will not do so and will continue to sustain attacks. Right. But then there's the liquid natural gas issue and uh, all the different policies that are empowering. Because as soon as we get out of the oil business or the liquid natural gas business, which the Biden administration did, we are now empowering Russia and Iran uh, with untold riches, financial windfalls for them. And dismay, despair, joblessness here in America. You know, here is a uh, Pennsylvania congressman um, that uh, weighed in on this uh, this morning. It's uh, the, the, the blood of these service members, these soldiers, is on the president's hands. This is all a result of longstanding policy by the left to internationally Scott accept Perry. Iran's terrorist activities in the region. It, it's not just Jordan. It's Iraq. It's Yemen. And then that locks up. And I knew about this. uh, First of all, it has to be immediately. And second of all, the Iran nuclear deal has to be off the table completely, allowing Iran to have nuclear weapons deliverable by ballistic missiles to anywhere in the world is something that cannot happen. The United States has to be very clear about that. And so crushing sanctions, disallowing Iran to sell its oil on the open market, disallowing all the foreign entities that are stand, that stand to make billions and billions of dollars on an Iran nuclear deal. They all need to be told immediately that is never going to happen. And then supporting the Iranian resistance inside and outside of Iran, which the Biden administration has cut the legs out from under and the Obama administration, for that matter, over and over and over. That's what needs to happen and needs to happen immediately, along with any military response, whether it's in Yemen or in any, in any of these other countries, it needs to happen immediately. Yeah. There needs to be well, a complete reversal of policy. I don't think that's what we're seeing. Cheryl, I want you to jump in here. But first, <laughs> let's take a look at how Biden, quote unquote, threatened Iran uh, over the last uh, couple of months. Watch this. 
There's limited fighting already on the northern Israeli border, and I wonder what is your message to Hezbollah and its backer, Iran? Don't. Don't, don't, don't. I've already delivered the message to Iran. They know not to do anything. They know not to do anything. Well, apparently they don't, Joe. You dummy. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. But we're going to move on to some other topics. Uh, that, 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 that's just unbelievable. Here in America, you don't need any visa for the U.S. You don't need any passport. America is slowly losing its identity. What are we fighting for? Who are we? It's crazy. So the U.S. border does not look like a border. Any, anyone can enter freely with the permission of the authorities. It's just unbelievable. And what's going on in Texas? So here we got um, Ken, not Ken Paxton, Dan Patrick. He is the Texas lieutenant governor. Let's take a listen to this. In Shelby Park, let me give you an example. We put up the wire we put up containers, and guess what? A few months ago, 3,000 were crossing a day, Maria. Today, zero. Zero yesterday when I, when I left around 4 o'clock in the afternoon. So we know what we're doing in Texas works. For the Biden administration and Joe Biden and Mayorkas want to come in and cut the wire when we're having success makes no sense to anyone, even the rank and file border patrol on the border that we work very well with Maria. It's just the politicos that he sends in to try to stir the pot. Look, they stood down, they said they're not going to cut the wire and it's good news for them because they would have needed a lot of wire cutters because we have a whole lot of wire and if they had snipped it and cut it, we, have, we would have replaced it right away. We're gonna put wire down the entire border. Well, that, that is going to be incredible pictures. Uh, there are cameras all over the place, but it will yes. be really incredible pictures to see the Biden administration cut down the wire that, that you will put in if, in fact, it goes that way. But, you know, John Radcliffe, who warned us about this three months into the Biden administration, says that, look, we didn't have a problem months ago. I can tell you that, that this was an issue that the Biden administration uh, self-inflicted on this country. Why? Uh, because he is wrongheaded on a long list of issues, okay? We can make a long list of issues, but this border issue is number one because fentanyl is crossing that border and killing more Americans than, than any other issue between 18 and 45 because we have women being raped, we have children being put into sex slavery, we have murderers, we have molesters, we have gang members, we have drug dealers, we have carjackers, we have kidnappers, all crossing with these millions of people. And, and he is wrong on this issue. He doesn't care because here's the agenda. Maria, America has to understand their agenda is they don't care if people die if they make their goal. And what is their goal? To put millions of people into this country, one day turn them into citizens, and one day turn them into voters and take over the country. That's their goal. And we all know it. So, and let me how say, much? Yes, I mean, Kim Paxton said it best when he said, you know, the reason why he says he knows why they stopped, he knows why they stopped, um, you know, they, uh, the counting. Ken Paxson said they stopped counting because they needed to know how many votes. Right? I mean, isn't that what it was? Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if I can get that audio clip. It's pretty easy to find. Right here. Watch. An election night? Because what they needed to figure out was how many real votes there were so they could figure out how many mail-in ballots to apply to the election. That's what they would have done in Texas. I'm convinced. So what? you think that was fraud, right? 
I have no doubt, having been through that whole process. It wasn't just a water leak? It was definitely planned. I mean, it would have happened in Texas. I promise but you. But can you just stop counting ballots on election night when they everyone's did watching TV? Oh, I know. Have you ever seen that before? Ever? For three years? Well, you tell me. You're the one. I have you're never the politics. Seen, I've never seen it before in my life. I was like, I knew it. When they stopped, and it was, and Trump is leading in all these states, I knew exactly what they were doing. They were Because there's no way to know where those mail-in ballots came. Anybody could have filled them out. Anybody. There's no way to know where those ballots came from. That's that's not a dangerous conspiracy theory. It's I'm I watched it happen. <laughs> See, that's a fact. Is they're getting ballot harvesters to pick up the ballots. They're filling them out. Nobody knows who's filling these out. That's why signature verification is so important. Because the signatures can't possibly they no one could possibly know what the signature looks like. Because they're just getting a ballot. They're filling it out. Signature verification was key. And in Arizona, they're still debating that issue in courts. But that's the biggest issue. Well, we shouldn't even have this. We should just have paper ballots. But, you know, that's why they're letting, they're using motor voter technology, motor voter IDs. They're basically processing they need more processors. They want more voters. So they want to process, give somebody a number, give somebody a, they're probably going to give them a, a universal address. That address is going to end up with a, what, 10 million ballots? And they're just going to have machines filling them out. I mean, it's just incredible. The fraud that's going on in our country is just unbelievable. Let's take a listen to... Um, uh, yeah. Dan How Patrick. many people would you say that have crossed into America illegally on Joe oh. Biden's watch? I mean, th- there are numbers, eight, 10 million. I want to get yeah. your Trump's assessment. Right. I think it's 22 million. The state. How many people? I've been studying this for 15 years. I track I track it by the year pretty much. And my and my data matches up much with MIT's data in 2016. We were averaging about four hundred and thirty five thousand apprehensions most years. Think about that per year. And in December, we had 300,000 alone. So Mm -hmm. under Joe Biden, we know the apprehensions, the people who come across the bridge and turn themselves in, want asylum, even though 90% don't qualify for it. uh, We will be somewhere around 8 million with the gotaways at the end of Joe Biden's turn, maybe as many as 10 million. Now, Maria, we don't catch everyone. So if you get one out of two, we have 1,250 miles of border with Mexico. Our border, Texas and Mexico, is further than the distance between Atlanta and Portland, Maine. So there are people who get in that we don't see. So if you get one out of every two, that's going to be 14, 15, 16 million people that have gotten into this country since Joe Biden has become president. That would make them just alone, if you put them in one area, the seventh largest state. It would be the state of illegal immigrants after California, Texas, Florida, New York, Pennsylvania, Illinois, the state of illegal immigrants. And look, there are many people coming here for a job and a better life, but that's not our concern. Our concern is protecting Americans and protecting Texans from the criminals that come in, from the drugs that come in. And let me tell you this, Maria, this is a stat that many people have never heard. We've arrested 13,163 smugglers since we started Operation Lone Star several years ago. 90% of those smugglers are U.S. citizens. Hmm. The drug cartels work with the gangs to distribute their drugs. They also work with the gangs to give them specific GPS coordinates where to pick up people crossing the border illegally. 
This year, we passed Senate Bill 4, I believe was the exact number. Senator Pete Flores passed this bill that now in Texas, when we arrest you, you're an American citizen, a minimum of 10 years in prison if you're a smuggler. But imagine that, 13,000 smugglers, almost all U.S. citizens, 90%, in coordination with the cartels. That's why, Maria, when I say it's an invasion, it is an invasion. It's a cartel army. You know, the founders never dreamed we'd have a president like this one who would just open the door to everyone. And, and they said, well, invasion if, if a, an army came. Well, we're facing yeah. an army. Yeah, we're facing sure an army. There it is, folks. Black and white right there. Um, we're going to move on. We have like uh, just a very little bit of time. E. Jean Carroll, right? So Trump's going to appeal that, right? That that $83.3 million ruling. Someone says, I hope that E. Jean Carroll didn't start counting her money because it's not looking good for her team. The Trump team has now learned that the judge worked with and was a mentor for the attorney representing Carroll. In the 1990s, Judge Lewis Kaplan worked with Carroll's attorney and never disclosed this. This is a clear conflict of interest. He should be removed as a judge. Now we know why why. He was so against Trump the entire case. Who's surprised that once again, they're playing dirty to get Trump? Can you believe that? And another little story, um, you got this uh, Ilhan Omar speaking Somalian like this. Okay, so what she's saying here is that we were profoundly surprised, even shocked at discovering the remarks made by Congressman Ilhan Omar. So basically what she she did is she said, the U.S. government will do what we want, nothing else. They must follow our orders. That is how we safeguard the interests of Somalia. That is unbelievable. And uh, her expression, her expressions were, well, hang on. Her expressions were lacking. Uh, in common decency and revealed a significant lack of understanding of basic facts, someone said. But she is, she should be impeached for that. I mean, she took an oath to defend the, the Constitution of the United States as a congresswoman. Unbelievable. That happened over the weekend. Listen, folks, we are under attack by, from within. And this all started with Obama. And it's continuing on. Trump is only the only thing that can save us. And that's that. So make sure it happens. Uh, be sure to check out MAGAPAC.org. Find out how we're advancing America First policies to make America great again. Make a donation if you can. If you'd like to keep the Scott Adams Show commercial free, use Red State over at MyPillow.com. And we'll see you next time We're a stand on the, the radio. Bye-bye, buddy. And grab a shovel, dig a hole a little deeper. Just to bury my kids right